Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby, uh, feeling a little bit better than I did on the last podcast. I uh, still got a little bit of a hint of a cold, but uh, hopefully I have avoided the worst of it. We've got an exciting and action-packed show today. We're going to be covering four interesting players. First up, Whit Merrifield, followed by Reese Hoskins, George Springer, and finally closing it out uh, with Noah Syndergaard. Um, really interesting you know, tidbits, I think, on each one of the players. Some really interesting things going on, Some, uh, a lot of potential. Um, so I, I, I hope you uh, do enjoy it. Uh, just wanted to give a shout out and a thank you to folks. Um, you know, as I've mentioned, if you do enjoy the podcast, please do go to iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. Uh, leave a five-star rating, write a nice review, would greatly appreciate it. Uh, since uh, I've offered to, um, if you give a five-star rating, you can choose one player to be covered on a future podcast. And if you leave a five-star rating and write a review, you get to choose three players. Since we started doing that, we have gotten five uh, five-star ratings. Um, and two comments. So our upcoming show um, will be brought to you by uh, Smada, who was nice enough um, to uh, leave a rating and a review. Uh, he has selected uh, Chris Taylor, Reynaldo Lopez, and Cole Calhoun uh, to be covered um, in a upcoming episode. If you don't know Smada, he is at uh, smada underscore bb that's s-m-a-d-a underscore bb he is an awesome follower or, or an awesome follow and he is doing uh actually some really uh great things within the fantasy industry in terms of um uh, for the great fantasy invitational providing the standings and just doing some really cool analysis so he is a, a great follow and i greatly appreciate the rating and the review there uh, we also had a uh, review that was left by somebody uh, named Stephen PSU78. Uh, Stephen, please reach out to me uh, via Twitter. Uh, let me know who you are and if you are on Twitter. And uh, feel free to let me know um, three players that you would like to be covered uh, in an upcoming podcast, and I will gladly do that. Uh, for the three other folks who have left, uh, rate five-star ratings. Please do reach out to me. Let me know which player you would like me to cover. Uh, moving forward, I'd love uh, to be doing this because number one, uh, that I'm being responsive to folks and their interests. Um, and number two, it's just a lot more fun than just going through um, ADP uh, in a really, you know, we try to liven it up a little bit with all of the details and stats that we give, but in a relatively uh, boring kind of one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and so on and so forth way. So thank you guys so much. It really does mean so much. We're a small podcast doing everything that we can um, and every single rating and review um, helps us with all the algorithms out there. I also wanna just give a shout out to everybody who is listening. Um, today, we actually had our 10,000th listen to the podcast. We're 42 episodes deep. Um, that is pretty awesome. When I started out doing the podcast, um, you know, I just, uh, I couldn't have expected the level of support, uh, that I have gotten and just really love and appreciate, uh, the community 
uh, that we're hopefully building you know, on this podcast through Twitter and other, other places. So thank you uh, so very much. All right. As usual, on Twitter, you can reach me at BatFlipCrazy. Uh, if you prefer Instagram, I'm also at BatFlipCrazy for Facebook. Uh, BatFlipCrazy uh, Fantasy. We only have a few people um, who are on that Facebook group. So if you are on Facebook, hop on over there. I share a lot of the same content, but uh, the lack of limit on character lets me uh, write a lot more and have more of a discussion with folks. So um, feel free to follow me there. YouTube, just search for BatFlipCrazy. The website is BatFlipCrazy.com. Whit Merrifield, Reese Hoskins, George Springer, and Noah Syndergaard. Let's get this party started. First up tonight, we have Whit Merrifield, second baseman and outfielder for the Kansas City Royals. As always with folks who have dual or multi-eligibility, it's important to note that this is a a growing um, benefit uh, for players with uh, dual and multi-position eligibility given you know the use of the 10-day DL and platooning and all the things now that go into kind of putting the best team on the field in a real baseball sense. Um, having that dual position eligibility really gives you some roster flexibility that you'll find helpful uh, throughout the season. In the two early mock drafts, uh, Witt was going at an average draft position of 42.1. In NFBC, he's actually up about 10 spots to 32.3 with a minimum pick of 21 and a max pick of 47. He had 707 plate appearances last year. That was a career high after 630 in 2017. But remember, he didn't get regular playing time until... Um, a few weeks, I think, if not a month or so into the regular season um, last year, and he's consistently batted leadoff for the Royals ever since. 304 batting average last year. It did come on a 283 expected average. Um, normally with expected metrics, speedsters like Wit generally um, underperform on the expected metrics. Um, so they uh, so their batting average or their WOBA are generally higher um, because ground balls that are generally outs may be hits. For them, uh, but it is important to note that last year he, when he hit 288, he did have a 290 expected average. So that's just something um, you know to think about with the batting average overall, and as we dive in, something to consider because with Wit, the things that he really brings you are that batting average and the stolen bases, along with some you know he's an accumulator. Uh, so let's let's dive in. 352 Babbitt this year after 308 last year. Uh, that seems a little high uh, for Wit, but uh, just you know, we'll take a look at the at the batted ball profile in a little bit. His strikeout rate did jump by 2.1% from 14% last year to 16.1%. 16.1% is obviously very low, more than 6% below league average. It's terrific, but it uh, his contact rate also uh, dipped. And what worries me the most out of everything in his profile is that his in-zone contact rate dipped about 3.5% from 91.3%, which is pretty elite to 87.9%, which is still better than league average, um, but not nearly, um, you know, kind of as much of a standout characteristic as the, those low 90 in zone uh, contact rates. His overall contact rate was at 82% uh, this year. One area where uh, Witt did take some uh, steps forward this year was in plate discipline. 
His OBP of 367 was really solid, um, particularly given the speed that he has. We often don't associate great OBPs with uh, with speedsters, <coughs> Adoberto Mondesi. Um, but, you know, with Witt, he brought a 367. Remember, that is uh, bumped up a good deal by that 304 batting average. So if, if that were to drop, um, so would the OBP. Um, 324 OBP last year. His O swing dropped to 31%, so that's right around league average, uh, but that's down from 34.6% in 2017. So a nice 3.5% dip there. Uh, his swing percentage is slightly above league average, 47.6, but again, down 3% from last year, so he's being a little bit more patient. And his walk rate jumped to 8.6% from 4.6% last year. That's a really, really nice uh, jump for wit. 88 runs scored, uh, 12.4% runs per plate appearance. Uh, that's slightly below league average and actually a little surprising. Uh, despite having about a 45-point um, better uh, OBP this year, his runs per plate appearance was down uh, by 0.3%. I would anticipate with an above league average um, OBP if he's able to maintain that, and that is by no uh, means uh, guaranteed um, you know, you'd expect him to have a slightly above league average runs per plate appearance, especially with his speed batting leadoff in front of, you know, the Royals don't have a, a good middle of the lineup, but um, generally the middle of the lineup is better than the other parts of it. So 88 runs, um, again, accumulated those at that 12.4% rate. He needed 707 plate appearances um, to reach that. So just uh, remember that I wouldn't anticipate any, you know, super stellar uh, runs per plate appearance for, uh, for wit, um, because I don't necessarily believe that the OBP will be as high this year as it was, um, last year. So, uh, you know, that, that, that remains to be seen, but, um, just something to, uh, to consider with wit 12 home runs last year came on 11.7 expected home runs so right around the right the right area that's down seven home runs from when he hit 19 in 2017 he actually had 23 expected home runs so the home runs are possible but I think the thing with wit we've talked before on the podcast about the dejuiced ball and I think wit is definitely somebody who would fall into the category of being hurt uh, the most by uh, that he had a 1.7 percent home runs per plate appearance uh, down from three percent last year. Again, you know, kind of accumulating a lot of these stats with those 707 uh, plate appearances. His hard hit rate did jump up to 36.9%. That's up uh, over 6%, which is really nice to see. His ground ball rate fell at a 34.9%, which is a really nice number, generally speaking. Again, with wit, fly balls aren't necessarily uh, your best friend because he's not hitting it, you know, his home run per fly ball was at 6.4% this year, or 6.5%. And so, you know, a lot of those fly balls probably aren't, are more outs than not, uh, but just something to uh, to consider. That 6.5% uh, home run per fly ball came after 9.4% in 2017. His hard hit uh, fly ball rate did dip down from, three, uh, from about league average last year to 35.3%, a couple points below league average. His hard hit pulled fly ball rate also fell by about 7%. That's important because, you know, Witt's not hitting a ton of bombs to dead center, right? He's pulling a lot of these um, to left field. And so, you know, seeing that number go down help, helps explain a little bit of the, of the power dip that he experienced this year. 
24 barrels, that's a 3.4% barrels per plate appearance, a below league average, 400 foot average home run distance. Now let's get into RBI, 8.5% RBI per plate appearance this year after 12.4% last year, 60 RBIs. That's a little little low. Again, he was hitting after Alcides Escobar for a good chunk of the season probably, so that might explain uh, why it is so low. Um, but I'd expect some growth there, but not too much again, you know, batting lead lead off, uh, for the Royals. Woba expected 331, actual Woba 349. Um, the expected Woba actually lined up with last year's Woba. Um, so just something to think about. Here's where we get into the good stuff with Witt. 45 stolen bases this year, a 6.4% stolen base per plate appearance. That's up about 1% uh, from last year's, uh, 34 uh, he's been incredibly successful over the last two years, particularly given the volume, with an 81 and an 82% stolen base success rate in those two years. Um, he's also got a very consistent stolen base opportunity percentage. That's the number of stolen base attempts uh, when he is on base without a runner in front of him on first uh, or second. Uh, 220 stolen base opportunities last year, 19.1% SBO percentage. 303 this year, 18.2%. He's a fast dude, uh, around 29 feet per second on that sprint speed. Uh, That is about two feet per second above league average um, and borderline elite. Um, So, you know, the speed is obviously real with wit, and that's where he gets a ton of his value in addition to the fact that he can compile some runs. He doesn't kill you in home runs, right? He's not a D. Gordon type. He is going to hit you probably double-digit home runs uh, in any given season, at least if he plays a full season. And then he's also got a lot of plate appearances of a solid batting average. And I think that's where we've seen him outperform ADPs the last two years. Um, obviously, two years ago when he was kind of a uh, you know a big-time uh, breakout guy, and even last year when he was going in the 50-60 range in ADP, and he ended up being a top-15 guy. Let's take a uh, look at his... Um, uh, uh, detailed batted ball profile through X stats. Um, you know, one of the concerns, a high pop-up percentage, 20.2%. That's actually down 2% from last year, but it's still above league average. Would love to see him get that down. Five ball percentage, 11%. Again, 13.8% uh, the year before that. So that's kind of nice. You know, he's hitting the, uh, he's hitting the ball less, like less weekly in the air. Uh, by about 4%, and his hard drive rate is right around league average at 10.5%, which is right around where it was last year, which is really nice. His line drive rate did shoot up this year by about 6%. Again, that's one of the least year-to-year correlation uh, batted ball types, and so I don't put a ton of stock in that. And that's actually one of the things that kind of raises a little bit of a concern um, for me about wit is that I think a lot of this really high batting average was uh, driven by some somewhat unsustainable things like the really high line drive rate and uh, that BABIP that we saw, that 352 BABIP. He's obviously a, a fast guy, so you'd expect that to be pretty good, but we generally see those high BABIPs um, for guys who are hitting the ball really hard, guys who are, are hitting a lot of line drives, or um, hard drives, excuse me. Um, so just something to note um, about that. Um, you know, so those are the kind of the major takeaways. His dribbler percentage was down a little bit, which is also uh, nice to see for wit. 
And then when we take a look at his 40 game rolling average graph here, um, uh, really, really solid towards the beginning of the year, but his contact definitely slipped towards the end of the year. Over the last uh, 40 games, 87.6% uh, Z contact, um, which is pretty low. It got as low as 83.9% towards the middle of the year after being for the last you know two years at or above 90%. And when we look at the 80 game trend for wit too, it's still, uh, it's concerning just because the downward trend is pretty clear um, in terms of contact. And that's gonna be one, a really important skill for him to maintain that high batting average. Um, in terms of ground ball rate, um, you know, pretty consistently uh, low, uh, definitely below league average for the entire year. Um, so that, you know, looks pretty steady there. Um, his hard hit rate uh, was up. It was up towards the beginning of the season, but then it fell off as the season continued, um, which is kind of interesting. I, I feel like his second half was better than his first half, um, but a lot of the skills were actually worse. His plate discipline did improve in the second half. Uh, low, uh, lower O swing in the high 20, uh, 20s, like 28, 29, um, which is really nice. Um, it did jump up above 30 in the last 40 games. So towards the end of the season um, with a little bit of struggles, but it's nice to see that the overall downward trend um, in that O swing is uh, positive because the more he can get on base, uh, the better. Um, so thinking about Wit, where he's being drafted right now, uh, folks who have followed me for a little bit know that I loved Whit Merrifield last year. I had him on a bunch of teams. I just felt like where he was going, um, I believed everything he did in 2017. And so believing that, I felt like he could recreate um, that season with maybe some more plate appearances. And that actually ended up happening. The challenge is with this, um, with his ADP now, you know, at around 30. Um, I think there's still an opportunity for value there if he's able to recreate the past two seasons. But the fact that he's going to rely on kind of a ton of plate appearances to get there raises a little bit of concern um, for me, um, as does, you know, the fact that you're, you don't have the same, um, you know, uh, growth potential for Merrifield in this spot. Um, you know, if anything, it's... Um, you know, if he were to get, you know, even a little bit of an injury or or something like that, it would be really hard for him to get there. I also think that 300 batting average, I wouldn't say that it's a fluke because he's obviously got solid contact skills, but, you know, with the dip in contact skills and being able to still hit over 300, I think that BABIP is likely to come down. Um, and I don't think he's going to get back to that 20 home run mark. So you're looking at the low teens uh, in terms of home run potential. So I don't have a problem at all picking him here, um, especially with that dual eligibility that he has. You know, he'd likely be your, um, you know, uh, picking him around here. He's probably your your first or second bat that you're getting, second or third, late second, uh, early third round where you're drafting him. He gives you a solid batting average and stolen base floor, which I think is really critical when you're building your team. Just recognize that there's a lot less room uh, for, uh, him to return value in this position compared to last year. And so I'm a little bit ambivalent on Wit. I think, you know, if he fits in with how you're building your team, um, he's definitely a guy that you could target, um, you know, and if you want to start off with stolen bases, you know, there's not not much of a better guy uh, to target than Merrifield. But I do think we're going to see that average drop back into the kind of 280 range. Again, still solid, but not elite. I think the stolen bases will be there. 
Uh, if he's healthy, we don't see any dip in his sprint speed, anything like that. So a really solid pick uh, right here. But just remember, um, you know, this isn't the Whit Merrifield of the last couple years where we could get uh, expect a lot of value to return. Um, if he recreates what he did last year, you know, then he's going to pro- provide top 15 value. Uh, but if we have any type of injury, a drop in average, um, you know, uh, that that type of stuff, which, you know, he's kind of uh, uh, happens to a lot of players every single year. Then, you know, we're looking at a, looking at him, maybe even losing some value for you. So just just consider that um, as you as you look um, at wit um, in terms of second baseman, you know, he's going number three right now after Altuve in front of Albies. And if you want to get a second baseman early, you know, obviously you're not looking too much at positions this early on, but, um, you know, second base is not going to be, I think, as solid as it has been in past years. So um, just, um, you know, Witt's not not terrible there. So Whit Merrifield, guy I used to love, guy that I'm, you know, he's fine uh, where he's at right now. Um, yeah. Next up, we have Reese Hoskins, outfielder for the Philadelphia Phillies. One thing that's important to note with Hoskins' position eligibility is he's likely to add first base pretty early on in the season uh, with the trade of Carlos Santana to the Seattle Mariners that frees Hoskins up to move to first base, which is a good thing for the Phillies defensively. So he should have dual eligibility once we get to about the, uh, depending on how your league does it, about the 15-game mark. Um, of the uh, of the 2019 season in the 10 to early mock drafts he went at a 42.3 average draft position in the now 15 nfbc drafts he is going at an average draft position of 43.3 so pretty consistent there minimum pick of 36 max of 49 so solidly right there back end of the third round in 15-team drafts and in 12-team drafts kind of in the uh, in the middle of the fourth round. So 660 plate appearances last year for Hoskins, uh, 246 batting average on a 253 expected average. Uh, this was after last year he hit 259 with a 273 expected average. One thing to note with um, Hoskins is this low batting average. Hoskins is definitely a player who gets a significant boost in OBP leagues because of his plate discipline. In average leagues, he has the potential to be a little bit of a downer um, when it comes to batting average. And so that's important to note because he also is not somebody who's going to steal a ton of bases. So he's really contributing in in only three categories in standard 5x5. 272 BABIP after a 241 BABIP last year. That's not surprising. When we dig into the batted ball profile, Hoskins hits a lot of balls. Uh, in the air, and so um, including a lot of those automatic outs, those pop-ups, and so that's going to keep the BABIP suppressed. His strikeout rate is at 22.7%, which is right around league average. That's very solid, obviously, for a guy with his type of power. And not surprisingly, uh, with that league average strikeout rate, he's also got solid contact and Z contact, 88% Z contact, 2.5% above league average, uh, this past year, OBP 354, so you can see well above league average of 329 for fantasy relevant players, and that comes after 396 last year. He definitely gets a boost in OBP leagues, four con- category contributor there versus three category contributor 
uh, in average leagues. Uh, that OBP is based on a very solid um, chase rate, 21.9%. Uh, this year, after 22.9% in his rookie season, so again, very solid, very consistent. Really like the look of that. His swing rate, not surprisingly, is also low, uh, about 7% below league average. Really solid. 13.2% walk percentage uh, after 17.5% last year. I think when you look at the numbers, you know, he obviously was scorching hot um, in 2017, and those numbers were pretty unsustainable. Not surprisingly, He's taken a, a dive in a number of different categories, not necessarily to a very poor level, but just, uh, you know, there was only one way to go down from where he started. That 13.2% walk rate is is very, very solid. Again, uh, OBP leagues, he's a real asset. Uh, 89 runs scored, 13.5% uh, runs per plate appearance. Um, this looks, uh, you know, this looks reasonable batting in the middle, uh, of the um, Phillies lineup. Um, he's obviously getting on base uh, more often than not. But after the, um, you know, towards the back of the lineup, you have, you know, guys like Nick Williams. So, you know, okay guys, but not necessarily folks who are going to drive him in a ton. Uh, that could change certainly if they add uh, Bryce Harper, although he's likely to move back behind Harper, increasing his RBI opportunities. Home runs, 34 home runs this year, only on uh, 29.5 expected home runs. So he um, he definitely uh, outperformed um, his expected home runs. 5.2 home runs, uh, home runs per plate appearance, 4.5 expected home runs per plate appearance. This is actually one area where Hoskins, when I dove in, is a little disappointing overall, is that for a guy who who displayed the elite power that he did in his rookie season, and obviously 30, 34 home runs is nothing to sneeze at. And he's playing um, in potentially the best uh, hitters park overall in baseball in Philly. Um, you know, but still like a little bit disappointing when we dive into the underlying skills uh, for those, uh, for the power metrics um, for Hoskins. So just something to consider with him. For instance, his hard hit rate this year was 34.5%. That's actually below league average and a 12-point drop from last year's 46%. His ground ball rate is very low, 29.1%, which is really nice to see with him. Again, the, the counterbalance to that is going to be the BABIP and the batting average. Um, if he's not hitting a ton, a ton of home runs, uh, then, you know, and he's hitting a lot of pop-ups, uh, that is going to suppress the batting average. Fly balls have a much lower BABIP than ground balls do and line drives. Uh, home runs per fly ball, um, 16%, so solid, uh, certainly down from last year's 31.6%. They expected home runs per fly ball just at 30, 13.8%, um, so just slightly above league average, which is surprising. And here's another surprising thing with Hoskins, 38.5% hard hit fly ball rate. So that's down 11% from last year. So that's right around league average again. Again, league average hard hit fly ball rate. You're getting a really high volume uh, with Hoskins, which is key, but that hard hit fly ball rate isn't, isn't what you would necessarily anticipate from power hitter like him. He does pull a significant portion of his hard hit pulled fly balls, or his hard hit fly balls, which is really nice, 41.5%. It's about nine points above league average. So really nice there, down from last year's 57.1%, which would be just an insane number. 47 barrels, 
uh, barrels per plate appearance. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, again, it's not elite necessarily. It's well above league average. 493 uh, average uh, home run distance. 96 RBIs, 14.5% uh, RBI for per plate appearance. You know, so generally solid there. So he's contributing in both runs with that OBP um, and RBI, obviously contributing in home runs. So he's contributing solidly in those three categories. But that's really where about the end of it in five by five leagues with average, at least, um, in terms of his contributions. Uh, 363 Woba last year, 364 uh, expected Woba. Uh, only uh, He did steal five bases, but 0.8% uh, stolen base per plate appearance and a 62.5% uh, success rate. So wasn't very successful when he did attempt stolen bases. And he's a slow dude, 26.3 feet per second uh, for his sprint speed. That is below league average. And he only attempted a stolen base on 3% of his 264 stolen base opportunities. So yes, he did contribute uh, five stolen bases. He has the possibility of getting you, you know, a few uh, every season, but it's not like he is going out of his way uh, to steal any bases, and he certainly doesn't have the speed um, or, you know, based on a very small sample size of stolen base attempts, um, necessarily the skill uh, to steal bases. Let's take a dive in his uh, detailed batted ball profile via X stats. Now, this is the major area of concern for me uh, with Hoskins' batted ball profile. Last year, he 25.9% of his balls in play. Uh, were pop-ups. So that is about 8% above league average. So that means over a quarter of the balls that he hits into play don't even have a chance of being a hit. Uh, You know, well, a 2 in 100% uh, chance of being a hit. And so that's really huge. That's where you see the BABIP suppression. That's where you see the batting average being really low despite a decent contact rate and a low strikeout rate. His fly ball rate last year was up at 14%. Again, um, that is higher than league average by about three and a half percent. And those fly balls also have a low batting average. Um, and so that's just something to note. You know, he's hitting uh, almost 40% of his balls are very low uh, BABIP uh, batted balls. When you add in the dribbler percentage, that increases that even more. He does have a really nice hard drive rate, 17.2%. That's down from 22.2% uh, last year. Um, so that's 7%, uh, about seven, uh, 6.5% above league average. So really, really nice um, there. Again, those are your home runs, your extra base hit uh, type batted balls. So that's important. A low line drive rate and a low ground ball rate. Again, those are very high BABIP um, batted balls. There's also not a lot of year-to-year correlation between those. So that could be you know a little bit of a silver lining there. Um, but you know, overall, he's hitting very few of his batted balls in high BABIP areas, suppressing his BABIP and making it difficult for him to get that batting average uh, up. Let's take a look at the rolling average graft for Hoskins. Again, very consistent, very nice contact hovering around high 80s, uh, right up to 90% um, for his in-zone contact, which is really nice, especially for a power hitter. His O swing is also very nice. Um, it did finish on a little bit of an upswing, but an upswing for Hoskins is 24.5% uh, O swing, which is well below league average. So that's really, really nice there um, for him. Ground ball rate also very low, which is good to see. Hard hit rate, though, 
also very low. Finished 40-game rolling average at 31.8%. Peaked at 41.5% over 40 games um, for uh, the year, um, at least you know towards the beginning of the year, including last year's totals. It was at 44.8% as a high. But within the season entirely, it was at 41.5% for a 40-game rolling high. So that's pretty low. You'd expect some higher spikes um, for Hoskins in the hard hit rate. You know, a little bit of like not a not a yellow flag necessarily, but just something to monitor, right? You know, with a guy with his profile, the power is critical uh, to the RBI, to the home run, to two of the three categories that he's providing for you. And so, you know, having these metrics that aren't necessarily um, as nice as we would like them to be um, is something to monitor. But again, he is hitting a lot of his, he has volume with fly balls. Um, so even though his hard hit fly ball rate is, uh, you know, right around league average, you know, he's still hitting, getting a high volume of them and he's a pulling a lot of them, which is really nice, uh, in terms of, uh, hitting home runs. So just something to know with Hoskins, still a really solid, uh, three category, uh, contributor for me, you know, the three categories just isn't doing it this high up, um, you know, uh, Hoskins, the five guys going in front of him are Carlos Carrasco, Starling Marte, Noah Syndergaard, Anthony Rizzo, Walker Bueller. Um, you know, I haven't done a deep dive into Bueller necessarily, but I'm definitely taking Rizzo ahead of him, definitely taking Marte ahead of him. Depending on where I am at pitching, you know, obviously that, that depends a lot on whether you're taking Syndergaard or Carrasco. But, you know, Carrasco is a guy I like a lot. Behind him, you know, is kind of a hodgepodge of uh, folks that I think are somewhat overrated. <laughs> Ozzy Albies, Carlos Correa, Adalberto Mondesi, Xander Bogarts, Edwin Diaz. Um, you know, so not necessarily guys that are great to compare them to. But, you know, a guy like um, uh, maybe Eugenio Suarez, like Anthony Rendon. Uh, Anthony Rendon's going 52nd. He's a guy who's going to contribute a higher batting average, probably a similar OBP, if not a better OBP. He's going to have about the same run total, slightly less home runs, you know, uh, maybe uh, 10 home runs less. He was five expected home runs less, 10 uh, overall home runs less. But he's going to have about the same RBI as well, probably, uh, maybe the same stolen bases. And that, that batting average gap between Rendon and Hoskins uh, is pretty huge. So Rendon is a guy that I would probably take ahead of him. Uh, same with uh, Eugenio Suarez, I think, uh, maybe even George Springer as well. Um, you know, guys with maybe a little bit longer track records, uh, power potential, but, um, you know, are going to contribute a little bit more across the board, uh, than you might expect, uh, with Hoskins, even a guy way down there, like Tommy Pham at 61, again, you know, less home runs, probably higher batting average, more runs, probably, uh, definitely more stolen bases, uh, maybe a similar, depending where he hits in the lineup for the Rays, a similar number of RBI, um, so you can see where Hoskins may be, you know, just a little bit too high for me um, in this instance where he's going right now. Uh, let's take a look at, um, in terms of other outfielders going around him. So Starling Marte would definitely take Marte ahead of him. I think I might have Hoskins ahead of Chris Bryant, though. Um, you know, Bryant has, has the potential to provide a little bit more in terms of batting average, but I think Hoskins has been more consistent in terms of his, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, in terms of his his uh, his power, 
the RBI and the runs, but similar, uh, similar profiles in a lot of ways. Uh, Cody Bellinger, again, is even providing, you know, additional speed as opposed to the home runs. And so with, with stolen bases being more valuable than home runs, probably have him above him uh, in terms of outfielders, George Springer, probably Tommy Pham need to dive into uh, Lorenzo Cain, but even a guy like Marcelo Zuna, you know, who's going to have a higher batting average, probably similar RBI, even similar home run total. Uh, you know, it's just not necessarily a skill set that differentiates you that much. A guy like Eddie Rosario going at 89, you know, he's a guy who he's going to have a higher batting average. He's going to have more stolen bases. He'll probably put up similar runs and, um, and RBI, uh, maybe some fewer, but it can also put up a decent number of home runs. So, you know, guys like Justin Upton going later. I just think that, you know, where, where for Hoskins' skill set, it's not necessarily anything. There's nothing that necessarily differentiates him unless you're in an OBP league. In an OBP league, you know, by all means, go ahead. But I just really don't think the profile stands out enough uh, to be, you know, your second hitter probably uh, drafting at the end of the third uh, round. So Hoskins, three, very solid three-category contributor, uh, nothing really more. Um, don't have a lot of hope for the average in stolen bases, and so I'm kind of fading him uh, where he's at right now for his ADP. Next up, we have George Springer, outfielder for the Houston Astros. Um, Springer's too early draft position was... 43.6 in the 10-2 early mock drafts. That has fallen all the way down to 56.9 uh, on average in the NFBC, uh, the 15 NFBC drafts that have taken place so far, a minimum pick of 49 and a maximum pick of 83. Um, this is quite a drop-off from last year when um, Springer was going towards uh, the early uh, third round, if my memory uh, serves me correctly, in 15-team leagues. Uh, plate appearances, uh, 620 this year after 629 last year, 140 games the last two years. Um, his career high is 744 plate appearances back in 2016. Would love to see him hit that again. This year he hit 265 on a 259 expected batting average, 283 last year on a 297 expected uh, batting average, uh, 261 the year before that on a 251 expected batting average. So that 2017 season looks a little bit like the outlier. His batting average is a marginal positive uh, with a fantasy relevant league average of about 258. And so he's not necessarily hurting you in that category, not necessarily helping you unless he can put together another season like he did in 2017. We'll kind of explore what made that season a little bit special for him in the average department. Uh, one of the reasons that that was so special, his BABIP actually wasn't elevated last year. It was its lowest of three years. It's been right around 300 for three consecutive years, but his strikeout rate dropped to 17.6%. That was a six, uh, nearly a 6.5% drop from 2016. Uh, this year, that number bounced back up uh, to 19.7%, but still below league average. Uh, by about two and a half points, which is really nice. His contact rate, though, right around league average for both contact and in-zone contact. Um, so that's just one thing to be um, aware of is there is potential, I think, uh, for a little bit of a slip 
um, in uh, the batting average uh, potential. Uh, OBP, pretty solid um, in OBP leagues as well. 346 this year, uh, 367 last year, 359 the year before. Uh, so definitely um, a- an asset there in two of the last three years. The 346 is still solid. Uh, not anything to write home about, though. The O swing carries that walk percentage. Uh, a high two years ago of 26.1%. A low last year in 2017 of 21.5%, 23.6% this year, which is a really, really uh, nice number for plate discipline. Uh, And he's swinging slightly below league average, walk rate over 10%, which is really nice. Um, You know, he scores a ton of runs. And runs are often, uh, uh, you know, a category that doesn't get as much hype as RBI, right? They're not as glamorous as RBI necessarily, but they are easier to bank on. And OBP is a key aspect of that, um, as is where you bat in the lineup. And he is batting at the top of the lineup uh, for uh, one of, if not the best lineup in baseball in the Houston Astros. So three straight years of triple-digit runs, 116, 112, 102. uh, And very nice runs per plate appearances, 15.6, 17.8, and 16.5%, when 13.1% is league average. So that is... Um, you know, among all the players in baseball, he may have the most consistent run total outside of your, you know, Mike Trout's of the world. Um, so that is really, really key. Power is also a decent asset for Springer. His power this year was down 22 home runs on 22 expected home runs. He hit 34 last year on 29.5 expected home runs, 29 the year before that on 30.8 expected home runs. I really think that, um, For Springer, you know, last year he suffered through a number of injuries. He got hit on the elbow uh, in May, I believe. Uh, Then he had a shoulder, which caused him to to get some DL time later on in the year. And so I really think that, you know, in looking at his season this year, it's kind of, um, you know, it's it's in some ways, you know, it's the floor. It's the it's the healthy floor for Springer, which is saying something because it was still. Uh, a really valuable uh, year for him. Actually, a below league average home run per plate appearance at 3.5%. And so uh, George Springer definitely doesn't have below league average power. And so I would definitely uh, expect that number to jump up, that home runs per plate appearance. And so if he can maintain his health, you know, get over 600 plate appearances again, I think he'll be in really nice shape there. Uh, Hard hit rate dipped 3%. From 36.7% down to 33.4%. One issue that Springer does have is his ground balls. He hits way too many ground balls. And as we dive into um, his uh, detailed batted ball profile on X-Stats, we'll definitely see that. So Springer, 49.4% ground ball rate last year after two consecutive years of 48%. Uh, So that's well above league average, 6% above league average. Not what you want to be seeing. Uh, from a guy with Springer's power. Uh, 15% home run per fly ball rate. That's a three-year low, down from 22.8 and 19.7%. His expected home run per fly ball rate uh, was right around uh, 20%, 21% for the two previous years as well before dropping down to 15%. So again, you know, uh, I expect when he's fully healthy that uh, that will rebound and those home runs to go up. Uh, the possibility, too, I mean, if he ever is able to hit more uh, fly balls, that, that that number could go up considerably. Hard hit fly ball rate also fell, not surprisingly, 41.5% to 
Still 4% above league average, but down from 45.6 and 47.6% the two years before. And his hard hit pulled fly ball rate also dipped slightly, 27.9%. So um, below league average last year as compared to above league average in 2017 when he was at 33.8%. Barrels per plate appearance down slightly at 6.1% from 6.5 and 6.6%. So you can see across the board the power numbers are down. Again, you know, Springer is not, uh, <clears throat> he's not an old dude. Um, Springer is 29, so he really should be in his uh, power prime. Um, and so I really think that a lot of the, the, the dip in power has more to do with injuries that he suffered uh, throughout last year, um, you know, to his shoulder, to his elbow, um, and less to do with actual an erosion in skill. Average home run distance, 410 this year, which is a three-year high um, for him, over 400 every year. 71 RBI this year, 11.5% RBI per plate appearance. He's batting first in the lineup, and so this isn't necessarily um, a surprise, but he does have 80 RBIs the two previous years, and so that's a really nice contribution when you add that and the runs. You're looking at up to 200 runs and RBI combined, uh, which is just awesome. Um, especially where he's going in drafts right now. <clears throat> uh, super, the super depressing part about Springer is, you know, he was an elite stolen base guy in the minors, um, and he's just never really been able to show that in the majors. And he is probably one of the worst base dealers in baseball, uh, unfortunately. Uh, check this out. So he had nine stolen bases two years ago, five stolen bases last year, six stolen bases this year. So not terrible, you know, he's contributing at least something. But his stolen base success rate um, over those three seasons is 47.8%, 41.7%, and 60%. So three straight years of terrible stolen base success rates. The one glimmer of hope is that that 60% was last year. The if, Just to destroy any glimmer of hope, um, you don't often see this, but uh, Springer is just losing speed really, really quickly. Uh, 28.4 um, uh, feet per second sprint speed uh, two years ago, down to 28 last year, and then 27.7 um, this uh, past year. So he's gone from you know really, really strong to slightly above league average in the span of two years when he really, you know, he should be in his, maybe not his speed prime, uh, but, you know, it's very, you don't often see that big of a drop in folks' sprint speed. So stolen bases are not necessarily something that you you can count on with Springer. I mean, you can count on some, but I would put him, um, you know, at, at five stolen bases probably uh, next year and then consider anything uh, above that just to be gravy. Let's take a look at his detailed batted ball profile. Uh, let's start with the good. He has a very low pop-up uh, percentage, Springer, 15.9%, so about 2.1% below league average, which is really nice. His fly ball percent is also lower, and he's got an above league average high drive percentage at 12.6%, although that's down from 14.2% last year and 13.7 the year before that again 10.8 percent is league average so that's really that's really nice number um uh for him but again you know the power is down his line drives were down um to 13.8 percent last year after two consecutive years of 16.7 his ground balls went up 
And then his dribblers are a little bit of a, are, are an issue. He has an above league average dribbler percentage um, by about one and a half percent. They they are going down slowly, but God, imagine if Springer could just ter- convert some of that dri- those dribblers um, back into high drives. Uh, that would be great. A high twenty one point seven percent ground ball rate last year. So the positive of what Springer batted ball pro- profile is that he does have that above league average high drive percentage for three consecutive years. And he doesn't hit a lot of balls that are um, low, super low BABIP. Um, at the same time, you know, he does hit, uh, at least in the air, super low BABIP. He does hit uh, uh, above league average uh, bad, batted, bad ground balls and a lot of ground balls that aren't going to do a ton of damage. And so there's a lot of room for improvement, but he's been pretty consistent over the last three years um, in in having that type of batted ball profile. So I don't think we can expect anything less necessarily. Let's take a look at the rolling average graphs. Uh, the, the, the contact was really solid, never dipped below uh, 83% in uh, zone contact over a 40 game period, uh, which is really nice. Uh, got upwards of 90% high 80s. Um, his ground ball rate, again, very consistently high. Uh, finished the year with a 52.2% ground ball rate. So really that's the major area of improvement that we could see with Springer is if he's able to raise that launch angle a little bit. Um, That'd be really great to see. A very consistent um, hard hit percentage, a couple dips um, around the time uh, of uh, some injuries. Uh, Finished the year on a low at 29.2% but pretty consistent around that league average mark. And his plate discipline also very, very um, consistent, which is nice to see. Now, the one thing that I will say for Springer, which gives me hope for his batting average next year, he went through some atrocious batting, uh, BABIP bad luck. <clears throat> Over a 40-game rolling average, he managed to put together a 189 BABIP. Um, so on as of July, the 40 games leading up to July 31st, 2018, he had a 189 BABIP uh, over that period of time, which is insanely low. And so it's just important, you know, to note that he went through a spell of very, very um, bad luck in the middle of the season. Um, you know, whether whether or not it was luck necessarily, I, I should kind of take that back. Not necessarily that it that it was automatically luck that he experienced, but you know that is the lowest forty game rolling average that he's experienced in the last three years um, by about uh, thirty points um, in BABIP, and so you know his valley was very very low this year, and so if he can if he can get away from those, you know you could see that batting average rebound. He certainly has the lower the league average K rate, you know, the contact rate, the high ground ball profile um, to have a decent BABIP. And so that gives me a little hope of the rebound in average. Uh, so all in all, uh, Springer is a guy that I like a lot where he's going um, right now. You know, you are getting um, you are getting Springer in the, um, let's see if I can do my math here. 
uh, in the fourth round, you know, middle of the fourth round. So he's your second or third hitter, depending on how you're constructing your team. This is in 15 team leagues. You know, in 12 team leagues, you're looking at him in the fifth round, um, which is really nice. Towards the end of the fifth round, um, which is really, really nice. We saw that he can contribute at least a little bit in batting average. I think there's the possibility for that batting average to go up um, for sure. I think the runs, he's as solid as solid can be um, in the runs department. Uh, You really can't get, outside of some of the top-notch OBP guys, you really can't get a more consistent uh, run uh, contributor than George Springer, which is really, really nice. Um, In the power department, I think we saw you know, kind of the low for a relatively healthy 600 plate appearance Springer last year with those 22 home runs. Those certainly aren't going to hurt you at all, Um, but we've seen that he has mid-30s power, and I think something closer to 30 uh, home runs in the high 20s is more likely um, than not if he gets a full range of plate appearances. And because he bats in such a good lineup with the Astros and because of that power that he does have as the leadoff hitter, you know, he solidly contributes between 70 uh, and 85 RBI the last three seasons. And that's really nice when you add the elite run, you know, run totals and you look at a guy who could get you, um, you know, with a solid season, 200 runs in RBI total. That is really, really, really nice um, where you're getting him in the draft. And then the bonus is that you are going to get some stolen bases, right? I don't think you're going to get one or two. You're probably going to get closer to five with Springer. Um, And I think that that is just a really nice overall contribution from him. Very solid, steady contribution that you're going to get. And then I think the potential um, for you to get, um, you know, upwards of five, four and a half uh, category contributor. And in OBP leagues, he's definitely not going to hurt you um, at all either. Um, So that's also really nice. Nice. Um, taking a look at his steamer projection, um, we haven't done that yet. I'm going to try to incorporate that a little bit more into the profiles because I do think it's good to give like a general sense. Steamer has him at 683 plate appearances, a 263 batting average. So again, slightly above league average, not hurting you, not helping you that much. 28 home runs, so they do like those home runs to rebound. 100 runs, which you rarely see, you know, triple digits uh, projected in somebody's uh, profile, but that's there. 79 RBI and nine stolen bases. I don't necessarily believe the nine stolen bases. The last time he did that was in 2016. Um, so that take that for what it's worth. But I think overall, a really strong contribution that you're getting from George Springer and where you're getting him in the draft. I think he's a no brainer, to be honest with you. I mean, there's guys that I might like more, like a Tommy Pham, for instance, who's going a little bit further back from him. But I'd take Springer over Cody Bellinger. I'd take him over Reese Hoskins in terms of outfielders. I'd take him over Chris Bryant. Um, I think I'd, I'd take him over Ozuna and all the guys that are going behind him. When we look at um, other people going around where Springer's going, so we got Glaber Torres, uh, you know, hitters in terms of hitters. Definitely take him over Glaber Torres. Anthony Rendon, I think that's a toss-up. I really do um, like Rendon um, a lot, and I think the batting average is enough to maybe have me liking Rendon a little bit more. Uh, but Eugenio Suarez, I got to dig deep into Suarez. Um, I haven't done that yet, so I don't want to give you know a final decision on that um, because I like what I've seen as I have dug in. Uh, but a guy like uh, Cody Bellinger, for instance, you know, Cody Bellinger is going seven picks before 
Uh, Springer, he obviously has the dual position eligibility, which is really nice, but he's not going to get the run, run total. They're going to have relatively similar RBI totals. I think they're going to have relatively similar um, uh, uh, home run totals. Um, and I actually think, you know, all in all, I actually like Springer's power potential more. I think Springer's probably going to have the edge in batting average. And Bellinger will probably steal more bases. But, um, you know, I think, um, you know, I like that position where uh, I like Springer. I, I believe more. I think the floor is lower for Springer and what we've seen. So I would have him over Bellinger um, as well. And then behind that, yeah, I love Tommy Pham. So let's not talk about Pham. But, you know, guys going behind him like Miguel Andujar, uh, Lorenzo Kane again, need to dig dive deep but Marcelo Zuna he's definitely better than Ozuna so you can see that just he's um, a very solid contributor I just love where he's going in drafts um, I actually drafted him one league last year when he was going you know at the 2-3 turn in a 15-teamer um, so I love what I'm seeing from Springer I think he's has a nice chance to rebound if he can stay healthy uh, and he's a guy that I'm definitely going to be targeting uh, in the fourth round of drafts The fourth and final guy that we are going to cover um, today is Noah Syndergaard, uh, starting pitcher for the New York Mets. Uh, in the 10 two early mock drafts, he was going at an average draft position of 43.3. Uh, in the 15 NFBC drafts that have taken place so far, he's going on average at 40.33. Um, with a minimum pick of 35 and a high pick of 47. Uh, so solidly, you know, pretty much in the third round, early-ish third round in 15-team drafts, uh, early fourth round in 12-team drafts. Uh, taking a look at Syndergaard, uh, 25 games started uh, last year. I'm going to skip 2017 because it was just a, such a small sample. It doesn't give us too much information. Um, in 2016, he put together 30 starts, 154 and a third innings last year, 182 and, a th- and two-thirds the year before that. So obviously, Syndergaard is not a guy who is going to give you a ton of volume, so it's hard to trust him as your uh, go-to ace. I think he's kind of like one of these tweeners where um, you know he always has the potential to be an ace, um, but the volume and actually the strikeouts aren't what you necessarily want them um, to be, at least they haven't been um, in 2018 and 2016. Um, so that's just one thing um, to consider. Uh, 13 wins, 14 wins, right around 50% wins per game started uh, those two years. His K minus walk rate dropped to 18% this year. So still above league average by about 4%, but not at the 23.4% that he was at in 2016. His K rate also dropped by 5%, um, which is actually a little bit surprising because some of the underlying metrics uh, really didn't change that significantly. So that may be an instance where, you know, his strikeout percentage should have been um, higher um, than it was this year uh, when everything's, uh, when all is uh, told. Uh, 155 strikeouts. He did have 216 um, in 2016. Those 155 strikeouts in 154 innings just give him nine Uh, 9K per 9, so not, again, what you're looking for um, from an ace necessarily, but the underlying metrics are still solid. 13.6% swinging strike rate, 
so that's borderline elite, very, very strong, um, down from 14.2%, but within the vicinity. And again, a really, really nice number. Uh, he gets uh, he gets folks to miss bats outside the zone a lot. His in-zone contact is actually only slightly better than uh, league average, 84.6% compared to 85.5% for league average. That's been consistent the last two years, um, so at least he's uh, consistent, which is good. Uh, his walk rate is, is down, um, uh, is below league average, 8.5% is league average. He's at 6.1% and 5.8% in those last two years. So that is really nice. This year, his first pitch strike rate was actually down uh, by about 5% at 59%. So that's lower than league average, not necessarily what we like to see. Uh, when you combine that with his 34.8% O swing, which is really nice, but lower than the 37.2% that he had in 2016, and the fact that his zone percentage dipped uh, by about 3.5% as well, I'm a little surprised that we actually didn't see a higher walk rate for him so it may be an instance where if the skills continue you'd see the walk rate increase at the same time that the strikeout uh, inc uh, rate increases um, as well so that's just something to note um, is that the control metrics last year were not terrific although they did improve as we will cover later on um, as the uh, season progressed a 121 whip uh, after a 116 whip so again he's not providing you those elite whip he's not providing you with an elite whip um, that you would want from uh, your ace uh, pitcher. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is that he does, he has always uh, allowed a really high BABIP. All of his top pitches that he throws, um, his sinker, his slider, and his four-seam fastball, when they are put in play, they are put in play hard, um, and the BABIP is really high. Now, what he does do is limit um, really, really good contact, so dangerous contact really well. He may be, He's one of the best in the game at that, and we see that with a soft hit rate of 25.3%, so over 7% above league average, and well above his hard hit rate given up, which is 21.9%. His ground ball rate is 49% after 51.2%, so right around that 50% mark. So he's giving up a lot of ground balls, um, and he gives up very few barrels, which we will see in a second. Throughout his career, he just doesn't give up barrels, pretty much. A WOBA of 285, an expected WOBA of 289. That's after 277 and a 268. Expected WOBA in 2016, so not as good as previous years. Uh, still solid, but not in that kind of elite uh, ace range. 303 ERA after 261. Um, his FIP... Uh, uh, his FIP, XFIP, and Sierra. The FIP likes him the most. XFIP has him at 329, Sierra at 355. Uh, so that's just something to note. His ERA estimators um, have generally been closer to what he actually um, does in the past. Um, and these have him uh, performing uh, more poorly, which I think we can see in some of the control metrics and skills. Only gave up nine home runs last year. Uh, 8.5 expected home runs. That's after 11 home runs in 2016 on 12.8. So very low home run per fly ball rates, 8.7% and 7.8%. He gives up about a half a home run uh, per nine innings. So only one home run for every 18 innings that he's pitching, which is awesome. And that's two consecutive years. And then his barrel rate. This past year, he only gave up nine barrels in 154 innings, 1.4% barrel per plate appearance. Uh, 17 uh, in 2016 for a 2.3% uh, 
barrels per plate appearance. That is just elite stuff that he's shown consistently. He just doesn't give up barrels, doesn't give home runs, which is really, really nice. Um, let's dive into the uh, to his pitch splits. Or actually, let's do his uh, batted ball profile first. Sorry about that. Um, so looking at um, 2016 and 2018, um, his pop-up rate increased dramatically uh, by uh, nearly 5% up to 16.7%. So uh, not quite at league average, but we always like to see that jump up. His fly ball rate uh, went down to 7%. Um, so he was giving up more uh, pop-ups, so poor fly balls um, and fewer uh, better fly balls. His hard drive rate is an anemic 5% after 8.1%. Um, in 2016. So that is really, really nice. That's uh, less than half of the league average of 10.8%. So he's really doing an excellent job of limiting that dangerous contact. So if he can get that strikeout rate back up and get his walk rate down, we could see some really, really special things, a return of that two, you know, in the twos ERA. Uh, 18.5% line drive rate and a 21.9% ground ball rate. Both of those are elevated above league average, and that's not surprising, again, because of the really high BABIP that he generates. A lot of those are kind of your line drive and really well-hit ground balls as opposed to your hard drive, extra base hit, home run type balls. He also generates a well above league average dribbler percentage of, of around 31%, so that is about 6.5% above league average, so that's really nice. So all in all, just a really solid... Um, uh, a really solid uh, batted ball profile that Syndergaard um, gives up. Let's take a look at the, his pitch splits. <clears throat> so um, he didn't, uh, he lost a little bit of velocity, but not a ton um, from, uh, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll step back on that. Uh, if we look at 2016, um, he actually did lose about a tick and a half uh, velocity um, on his uh, fastball. Um, you know, the sinker lost a mile per hour and the four seam fastball lost 1.2 miles per hour. So that is definitely significant. Um, but still, you know, he's definitely bringing the velo uh, when it comes to that fastball. When we take a look at how his pitches have performed, um, his sinker, uh, uh, 116 WRC plus 329 WOBA. Again, 323 BABIP, you know, all of his the pitches that he throws except for the changeup have really high BABIPs. Um, so not terrible for a fastball, but not necessarily, um, you know, uh, great, uh, better than in 2016, but not as good as the very brief spell in 2017. Uh, the slider is a really good pitch um, in pretty much every year, 32 WRC plus, 200 uh, WOBA. That is really nice to see. The four-seam fastball, um, you know, that was much better in 2016, 95 WRC plus, 299 WOBA. Uh, compared to a 121 WRC plus and a 341 Woba this year. Uh, the changeup, which is the pitch that he throws the fourth most of all his pitches, is actually a really nice pitch. 57 WRC plus, 239 uh, Woba, and it's the only pitch that generates um, a below um, league average BABIP. And so I'd actually love to see him throw that changeup um, a little bit more. I'd also love to see him try throwing his slider a little bit. Um, more as well. He's very, um, uh, you know, he throws the fastball 
Uh, I'll check the exact numbers, but at least 50% of the time it looks like. And so, you know, he could be a guy who actually be, he's known so much for the velocity, but I really think that he could benefit from throwing that slider and that change up um, a little bit more uh, often than he currently does. Um, and then the curveball, uh, 86 WRC plus 289 uh, Woba. Um, and that was also a positive pitch for him um, in 2016 with a 61 and 244 Woba. So he's got really consistent, you know, that slider, the changeup, and the curveball are all really good pitches for him. You know, the last um, uh, two years that he's pitched a full season, um, and yet, you know, he doesn't necessarily, he's still relying so heavily on the fastball, which isn't as successful. Let's take a look at the plate discipline skills for these. Um, so the sink, uh, you know, the sinker and the four seamer, you'd expect with his velocity that he'd get a lot of swings and misses, uh, but not really in 2018, 6.9% on his sinker, 6.2% on his four seam. That four seam swinging strike rate is down, uh, over 3%, almost 4%, um, which, you know, is not ideal. The slider is an elite pitch, 25.1% swinging strike rate, 45.8%, um, O swing, uh, that is really nice. It's down a little bit from 2016, but still very, very elite. Um, the changeup, 22.2% uh, swinging strike rate. Uh, the changeup at 40.7% O swing. Uh, so he's got two knockout pitches, really, with the slider and the changeup. Um, again, but he doesn't throw the changeup all that often. Curveball, 14% swinging strike rate, 38.1% um, O swing. Um, that is... Um, you know, uh, really nice. I mean, he's got a really nice repertoire. I really think that he could benefit tremendously from throwing the four seam and the sinker less and relying a little bit more on his slider, his changeup, um, and his curveball. I'd love to see that happen. A rolling 10 game averages for Syndergaard Z contact right around league average um, throughout most of the season with a high close to 90% um, in the middle of the season, but that was a pretty sharp peak. Um, didn't hold on. His first pitch strike rate ended up with 65% um, over uh, his last 10 games, which is really nice because remember that was at 59% for the year. His zone percentage was also up at 44.2%. So some really nice trends towards the end of the year. Um, his O swing at 37.3% towards the end of the year. Really nice there. His swinging strike rate was down 12.7% uh, to 12.7% you know, which is below the 13.6 for the league average. Um, so just, you know, nothing, nothing crazy to be worried about, um, but just something to uh, take note of. Let's take a look at how his, uh, his pitching, uh, his pitch mix changed um, throughout the year. Um, so uh, we see a precipitous drop. He used the sinker about 40% of the time up to August, and then it dipped considerably down to 25%. So about a 15% drop in that. His slider usage increased to 22.6% from earlier in the year when it was around 20%. He started throwing his curveball a lot more, 10.5% uh, after dipping in the middle of the year, and then his changeup at about 15% uh, here. He started throwing the four-seam fastball um, a lot more, um, which is, um, you know, I think... Uh, that was his worst pitch last year. So that's that's a little bit um, interesting uh, to note for Syndergaard. What I would love to see, you know, towards the end of last year, he was throwing 
slightly over 50% of his pitches were some sort of fastball, either the sinker or the fastball or the four seam. Uh, I'd love to see him increase the slider usage, the changeup usage, um, even the curveball usage a little bit. Um, that I think could really take him, um, you know, to the next level potentially. Um, and I think that changeup is an underutilized uh, pitch, given that it's one of the few that gener that it's really the only pitch that he throws that generates below league average BABIPs. It might be something that he wants to go to um, a little bit uh, more uh, moving forward. So let's take a look at um, uh, Syndergaard in context. So going at uh, 40th, um, he is, uh, you know, the pitchers behind him, uh, right behind him, Carlos Carrasco, Patrick Corbin, James Paxton. Uh, in front of him, Walker Bueller. Luis Severino, uh, Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw. So if I were to look at Syndergaard, um, you know, right now in terms of pitchers, um, from what I have seen, um, I would have him ahead of Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I would have him ahead of Luis Severino. I have not done the full Walker Bueller analysis, so I'm not sure there. I think I'd have him below Carlos Carrasco. Um, and I think around the same spot as maybe a Patrick Corbin and maybe closer to a James Paxton just because they both have uh, similar uh, injury concerns. Um, the one thing that I will say about Syndergaard is I think that there's the potential with the right pitch mix. And I think we at least saw some aggressive changes in his pitch mix um, as the season um, wore on. I really think that he could benefit um, tremendously um, from going to um, uh, his breaking pitches uh, and his off-speed pitches more and toning it down a little bit with the fastball. I think there's the potential to see some really nice things um, happen there. Um, also, you know, if he can get his velocity up a little bit after, his, you know, after having a healthy season back to where he was pre-injury, uh, that would obviously be awesome as well because if you could get that four-seam fastball back to close to a 10% swinging strike rate, I think that we could you know, definitely see him take that leap back into the area um, where he was in previous seasons. So for Syndergaard, there's obviously a ton of risk here. Um, if I'm nabbing Syndergaard, I'm probably getting him as my second pitcher. I've probably already selected my ace. Maybe you get somebody like a Scherzer, um, or, um, excuse me, a Scherzer or even a DeGrom uh, beforehand. And if you're going to go with two pitchers early on, he might be kind of like a high ceiling um, guy that you may want to uh, take a chance on once you have a guy who's already going to provide you with volume. Um, you know, because I do think that there's obviously considerable upside, and I think there's the makings with the right combination of pitches um, and, and the return to health. Uh, for Syndergaard to take that uh, step back into the elite echelon of pitchers uh, where he has been in the past. That is going to wrap us up for episode 42 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, Whit Merrifield, a guy I have loved uh, in the past, and by the past I mean last year. Uh, this year, um, he's he's solid, he's fine, you know, nothing great at that 
you know, 30th ADP, but a solid start if you want to go average and stolen bases, which uh, I often do. Uh, Reese Hoskins, overrated, I think, um, as a three-category contributor in standard 5x5 average. If you're in an OBP league, um, he's definitely a guy I like um, where he's going right now. George Springer, a guy I like all around, just as somebody who had a little bit of a down year last year, I think largely due um, to injury, and I think I like him uh, to rebound next year, and I love where he's going um, in drafts. And then Noah Syndergaard, um, a guy who, you know, some of the numbers are down um, from where we've, you know, where we're used to seeing him. He has injury concerns, but he's still got uh, three really, really good pitches um, in his slider, curveball, and changeup. Would love to see him uh, lean on those pitches a little bit more and fade his sinker and four-seam fastball a little bit more as well. One thing I didn't mention in the profile after I finished looking him up, I did run over to brooksbaseball.com just to uh, see a little bit in his player card. Um, And one thing, a couple things that I noticed about his four-seam fastball, he started throwing his four-seam fastball more, which I mentioned in the profile. Some things that I like is that the swinging strike rate on the four-seam fastball did start to increase um, as the year uh, progressed, which is really nice. It wasn't up to his close to 10% that he had had in previous seasons, but it was in the mid 7%, which is a boost from where he was overall at the season. And one of the reasons why I think that happened is if you look at where he was pitching that four-seam fastball in the zone, um, a lot of his pitches, the changeup, the curve, the slider, um, and the sinker are largely pitches that he throws lower in the zone. He was elevating the four-seam fastball as uh, the as the season progressed. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we saw that bump up there. We've seen, uh, you know, especially with the Houston Astros, with Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, uh, what throwing that four-seam fastball high in the zone can do, not only for that fastball, but also for secondary pitches. Um, so that's super interesting, I think, for Syndergaard. I'm kind of like teetering on whether I think he's going to have a big breakout next year um, or not. Um, but definitely some progress and some really nice steps. All right, the best place to reach me is uh, at BatFlipCrazy on Twitter. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.